Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, you are now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 181, RIP to NBA legend Elgin Baylor. Trade deadline is one day away. Are the Clippers and Lakers going to make a move? Draymond makes some erroneous comments. And who's better, AI or Kyrie Irving? It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, brought to you by BasketballNews.com. It is Wednesday, March 24th. We are recording one day before the trade deadline. It ends tomorrow, Thursday at noon. Not much has been going on, but before we get into trade talk, uh, I wanted to start the show. This is the second week in a row, Drew. I got to start with something, you know, a little sad. Uh, The great Elgin Baylor passed peacefully yesterday. And I just wanted to, you know, we've talked about him a lot on our show and I'm glad we have drew because, uh, you know, when we did our, our top shooting guards of all time, we got to bring up some really great memories about Elgin and how good that he was. And, you know, we're hearing all these great NBA legends talk about Elgin. And I thought it was interesting that now finally that story of him being a reserve, like, and we talked about that on our show because I felt like that was like the most impressive thing I've ever seen or heard about a professional athlete. And we brought that up, you know, months and months ago. Um, but seeing all these other NBA players retweeted and he was just such an amazing athlete. I honest, I obviously didn't get to see him, but he was, you know, Mike before Mike, he was Dr. J before Dr. J. I had the pleasure of meeting him several times working for the Clippers. He was nothing but nice to me. Um, great NBA player, Suspect general manager, obviously. <laughs> he did win GM of the year in 06. That was, again, bring it up. That was the Sam Cassell Phoenix oh, Suns. Phoenix Suns. 10-second violation. Okay. I was at that game. It was horrible. So, But yeah, he, he was a GM for 22 years, yeah, and, and it was not great. And a black GM, you know, well, which is, yeah. which is you yeah. know was progressive at the time. Um, Laker great. He's hanging in the rafters. I know what he means to Laker Nation. It's a sad day. I mean, the, the man lived a full life. He was 86. Uh, you know, going peacefully, that's that's something that I have, I've always uh, hoped for, you know, as far as when you look down the road, you're like, I, you know, if I could if I could pick it, I would like to go on my sleep in, around 86 to 90 years old. That sounds great. That would be perfect. The stories of him that are coming out are great. All the, the legends of the game had so much respect for him. And he was really the first guard slash forward, if you want to call him that, to play above the rim and, and have that hang time thing. Uh, and you know he wasn't dunking because that just wasn't that wasn't in a part of the game really as much. But you know if you do watch his highlights, you can see he's he's head and shoulders athletically beyond most of the players that are in the league at that time. He's the the third highest points per game for a season outside of Wilt and Michael Jordan, and that's still the case even though the NBA has made this huge swing for offense and. You know, James Harden couldn't even beat him out for points per game. And he was averaging like 38 and 19 that one season. Right. It's just like insane. Right. Um, no three-point line either. Yeah, no three-point. He, he scored 70 points without a three-point line. And, and like the thing that, he, you know, he never got a chip. Yeah, that's the – that's he, the. I mean, he retired and he played nine games in the year that we actually won one uh, finally. And that was Jerry's first too. Yeah, Jerry. I think Jerry's – that might have been his only. That was his only championships, yeah. 1970. Uh, yeah, 70, 71 I think. Um, and that sucks, right. uh, you know, nine games and you're like, he had a knee problem and he's just like, you know, I think I'm going to bow out, give, give guys more run. And it's like, dude, can't we just keep him on the bench? Just like what's wrong? Bench. What's wrong with having him on the bench? Just Scalabrini it. Dude. Yeah. Put him on the 15th, man. Right. Get him out there every once in a while. It's Elgin. He's been doing this for you guys forever. Like let him do it. Yeah. Why not give him the ring? But anyway, I mean, yeah, his, his, his number has been in the Raptors for a long time. Um, well-deserving of a statue. Um, it's a, it's a sad time to be a Laker fan right now. We lose El- Elgin, and 
we're having all our injury woes. Um, tough, tough time to be a Laker fan, but you know, shout out to Elgin, mm-hmm. much love, uh, rest in peace. RIP. Um, before we get into Laker talk and Clipper talk, uh, you know, again, trade deadline. We, Drew and I decided we were going to push this pod back a couple days and wait till the trade deadline, but we wanted to get this show out first and then possibly have our reactions on Saturday if anything big goes down. The, all the big talk right now is Lowry. Right. Um, that's all I keep hearing. I heard today that the Lakers are going to be, you know, are looking at Lowry. I heard Clippers are looking at Drummond now, and Drummond's looking at the Lakers, and Aldridge might go to the to the Heat. Uh, it, we got we got to see what's going to happen with these buyouts. Um, and then I also heard that, you know, uh, Norman Powell is up and they might try to package both of them. There's just a lot going on. I, you know, I tried, I know Miami's in the lead for Lowry, right? For whatever reason, Miami's in the lead for a well, lot he, of these Apparently guys. he loves Jimmy. Him and, him and Jimmy oh, are, oh, are they'd be great. best friends, apparently. There was a quote from Jimmy this morning for, from, I think, either an all-star game. Yeah, it was an all-star game where he was on Lowry's team and he said, if I'm on Kyle's team, like I'm winning at life. So, <laughs> it, it, and obviously if you're going to want to play with anybody, Jimmy's that guy, but making the money work would mean, you know, Duncan or, or Tyler hero. Um, and they'd have to give, I, I forgot who Dragic would have to go. Trevor Ariza, maybe getting traded for a 12th time. <laughs> Trevor Ariza would be packaged in on that deal. Uh, okay. So tell me what you think. I mean, would, would Lowry, push the needle for the Lakers or does Lowry push the needle for, for the heat in the East right now? I don't think the Lakers need to make a move for Lowry. We clearly still need help uh, in the front court with our bigs. Um, and I do think that that has to be a priority. Um, and I think honestly, Schroeder is very serviceable as our point guard. I like him. I think he's been playing well for us this year. Uh, the more interesting thing um, now that LeBron has gone down with that ankle injury, which we haven't, really discussed on the pod uh first and foremost fuck you solomon hill hey wait can we put hold off on the Lakers? he went to he went to u of a he went to u of a (laughs) and uh and i was there when he was there so he's he's a good guy and i actually really like solomon he's done really well for himself but the reason i mention that is because lebron goes down and it's like okay now kcp's up on on the trade block uh now we're taking calls on montrez harrell uh we're looking at what we can do with gasol uh, maybe Schroeder's on his way out. Like all these things happen because AD's out, we lose LeBron, and Gasol hasn't played this entire month. He's been out since February. So the reason I bring that up is because now, you know, the worst case scenario, something I've been talking about this whole time is LeBron. If LeBron stays healthy, I'm a happy guy. And of course, that's, you know, that's no longer the case. He's probably going to be out for a month. Uh, but what it does do is it puts some urgency on this trade deadline that we did not have before. Uh, as I mentioned, before LeBron's injury, I was like, if we just stay, you know, with our roster, LeBron's good. We bring AD back. I'll be fine. It's not going to be that big of a deal. But now we, we know that we have to stay relevant in this playoff hunt. And we can't, we really can't drop to the seven seed or below. Uh, I, we, we really need to avoid the playing game. Now, if we end up in the seven through 10 seed for whatever reason, and we don't make any moves, I still think we're going to be fine and we can get out of that scenario. But it, of course, Home court advantage for what it's worth is worth something, even if it's not with completely full uh, stadiums. Uh, But you don't ever want to have to go through an entire postseason without having home court advantage. Um, And it seems like, you know, the best case scenario for us right now is to survive through this rough patch and maybe make a deal that helps us stay, you know, in the four, five, six range until everyone is back. Uh, And for that reason, especially... Kyle Lowry's great, but I do think other teams could use him and need him more than we do in our scenario. And I wouldn't really want to give up, you know, Schroeder or KCP or Harrell or anybody like that just for Lowry, uh, because I think with our lineup, eventually when the postseason starts and we have everybody back, I I don't think that's something that we need to address. Uh, It it has to be a big man for us, um, unless, of course, we do something along the lines of going after a scorer. In this moment. So before Lowry, I would take like DeRozan, for instance, LA guy. You know, there's been a lot of talk about him being available. I would much rather have DeMar DeRozan coming our way for like a KCP and somebody. I don't know how we would make that work necessarily. Well, he's definitely not getting bought out. They're not going to buy out DeRozan. There has to be a trade. LaMarcus is definitely going to get bought out. Right. I mean, unless someone throws him a couple picks before the, before the deadline's up. I agree. But uh, for us, you know, I do think big man first and then maybe scoring options second. Uh, and, De- and DeMar fits in nicely. So if we do get somebody like DeMar or Oladipo or something like that where we can 
kind of get them on the on the cheaper end of things, they actually can play in our lineup when everyone's back, right? So then if we can get DeMar or, or Oladipo or one of these scores that's available, Evan Fournier, something like that, they can still play with Schroeder, LeBron, and AD and everybody's back. So I'm, I'm cool uh, with us really taking a hard look at some options. Um, and I do think it's probably important for us to make some sort of move right now, but I don't want it to be a panic situation where we get rid of Harrell or we get rid of Schroeder um, when we don't necessarily need to do that right now. But it is obviously <laughs> very concerning, and it's tough to watch the Lakers play right now. It's because it's depressing, and I tried to watch their game last night against the Pels, and you know we, we had this discussion a few weeks ago when you know PG and Kawhi were both out, and they were out for a week and a half, and the Clippers kind of survived survive that because we have a really good bench and scores and everybody kind of stepped up with the, and this isn't me throwing shade at you or the Lakers right now, but watching that team last night, it just looked like nobody knew what, what the hell they were doing. Kuzma couldn't create a shot and Schroeder, you know, wasn't hitting defense was, was, was horrible. And you know, if this is going to be, look, LeBron is Superman, right? We're finally seeing in year 18 that this guy's got injured. Off, and it was a freak it was injury. A, it wasn't like yeah. he – it wasn't coming down on somebody's ankle. Somebody, it wasn't a muscle problem. No, not, it, yeah, not at all. Some dude rolled over his foot as right. he was going for a ball. And that's those are the scariest ones too. And obviously he was in pain. High ankle sprains are crazy. LeBron's going to probably try to do everything he can to come back. But I think this is another situation like AD. Like we don't want to bring this shit back early, right? We don't right. want to – Which he, is why I think the trade market is something that we can make a play with mm-hmm. without really you know ruining the, the team that we've built – before these injuries happen. My concern really at this point is even if we get somebody at the trade line or we don't, we're going to be pressuring Anthony Davis to come back sooner than he should. And that's the last thing I want. And I've said before, it doesn't really matter what seed we're in, but I was really being realistic about being one through six mm-hmm. uh, and having us have to, to do some sort of play in scenario. You know, feasibly we should manage that. No problem. If everyone's healthy, Uh, but it's just obviously not something you want to do. You don't want to put any more undue miles on LeBron or Anthony Davis if they are, in fact, still nurturing some sort of hampering, some sort of injury. So it is it's going to be tight. I think this month in particular, you know, and and it's been said, I think, last week that Anthony Davis is going to be reevaluated every two weeks and kind of updating that way to see where he's at. I, I don't expect LeBron to be back this month. Uh, we know within within a month. I mean, these that was a really bad ankle sprain. It's on. It's also like the way he turned it. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't. He turned it inward, which is always harder to recover from than turning it outward. So I do think it's going to be. It, there, we're, Five we're, gonna, weeks. We're, we're in. We're in for a few weeks of really tough basketball. The, and, and and it's regardless of who we play, right? Mm-hmm. Like we could be playing Minnesota, <laughs> and and losing to the you know the worst teams in the NBA because we're just we're just that bad right now, and. For all the talk that I've made about Anthony Davis being out and allowing us to explore our roster and, and stretch that out, now it's like, okay, that was fine. We were able to be 500 during that time with LeBron in there. With him out, we need to scrap and fight for every single possible win, and it really is going to be dependent upon certain guys stepping up. So now our best players are Schroeder, Harrell, and Kuzma. And we have Wes Matthews in there who's essentially, I don't know what it is with, with the, the wing players that come to us that you know, are supposed to be three and D guys. And the three is left at their previous uh, location. Danny Green, we saw it all year. This year, it's Wes Matthews. It's right. like, cool, Wes, Wes should be able to hit some threes. He's been doing that his whole career. Nope. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is, It in order for us to win games, those guys are going to have to step up immensely and consistently uh, for us to even be anywhere near 500 or even just picking off a couple wins. Um, so I, I do expect us to be <laughs> kind of on a losing streak, um, unless of course we can make something kind of magical happen, uh, during this trade deadline, but it is, it, you know, it's tough right now. It's, it's tough. And you know, you've lost three in a row. You have a couple get, you got, you have a couple winnable games coming up. But again, like you just said, like if we're putting everything on Kuzma and Schroeder and Montrez, like that's just, it's, it's not going to happen. Right. So you know, I hope LeBron gets better. The NBA is just so much better when, the, and we're not used to this. We're not like we've never said on our podcast minus last season when he went down with the groin that like you know he's out, he's out. Like two this, seasons ago now, two, two seasons ago, yeah. The guys played literally like 
I think it, I think the stat was he's only missed ten percent of the games he's ever played, which right. is which is ridiculous, right. and that's including playoffs as well. So I hope he gets healthy and gets back soon because again we we want this Clipper Laker you know playoff and, and it might happen in a different scenario. Could be the first now. round. Could, could be, be the, three and six. Yeah, could be the first know? round now. Which yeah. nobody like NBA doesn't want to see that well, either. You know it's weird, man. Like, the, the Clippers and Lakers have never played in a playoff series mm-hmm. ever. I know, which is strange, right? It is weird that we've never played. So even if it is a first round matchup, it's not what we want. We're like, oh cool let's make this a western conference finals kind of a thing uh but you know if it happens i you know it's funny at this point (laughs) i would be very comfortable as a six seed going into the playoffs and to be quite honest i think that's kind of our goal if we can if we can if we can stay five or six throughout this that will be a huge win for us as a as an organization so the clippers and lakers are tied for third at 28 and 16 Denver's in the fifth spot at 26 and 17, Portland 25 and 18. So it's close, man. And yeah. you got to get some of these games. Next 10 games, if you could split five and five, but I don't think that's, that's happening. Not, it's not realistic. Seven, three? That's not realistic. Seven, three? I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Eight, two? Two, two to three wins out of the next 10, okay. which would put us about a month out or so, I think. Uh, that That is probably realistic okay. i mean i'm I, I would love to be 500 mm-hmm. oh my god five and five i mean let's let's bring well, it I was home. Just, i was gonna gauge where you're at if we go five and our five. boy douchebag john was like oh yeah we'll be fine five and five it's like bro <laughs> no nah, i really don't think it's gonna work like that well you know if, if we're five and five i'll be on this podcast talking about dennis schroeder being mvp yeah, totally <laughs> so that's uh that's that's where we're at at this point so, you know, I'm, I'm tired of talking about Drummond. You know, we don't know where Lowry or Norm's going to work out. George Hill, obviously, we talked about it in the last pod. That's kind of like the only guy I'm really looking at. I'm not sure if that's going to that's gonna work either. I, I am right now staying at, like, I'm fine with how our squad is. The only thing I'm worried about is Patrick Beverly's health. We'll talk about the Clippers here in a minute. Another guy that went down, though, that just took the wind out of my sail was LaMelo. He went down against the late of the Clippers. I was watching that game. He took, you know, he he's kind of erratic at the rim sometimes, man, and, you know, it's kind of the same way Steph got hurt the other day is like trying to draw these fouls and kicking your legs out. Like, this is what happens, man. And LaMelo fell awkwardly on his wrist. I knew it as soon as it happened. He grabbed it as soon as it happened. And then when he shot that first free throw, I knew that that he was hurt. I didn't know this would be season ending. Um, and it is on his shooting hand. So And he had surgery the other day. He just had it today. Was it today or I think yesterday? it was yesterday. Um, so he's going to be reevaluated another four weeks. But it's just sad, man. That was the team that we were sucks. all – it sucks. Well, I mean, the injury bug is hitting everybody mm-hmm. right now. I mean, it just seems like this is the time everyone's going down. Uh, Embiid is still out. Yeah, I mean, for the Clippers, you still have you still have your guys, which is which is a great thing to be. It's a great spot to be in right now. If you are a team that is fully healthy, you really should be taking advantage of these top teams that are losing players left and right. I mean, Steph landed on his tailbone on a, on a you know whatever that metal railing was mm-hmm. because the the bench is all spread out over twenty yards now. It's uh, huge. So yeah, he's out and beads out. Like Giannis sat for a little while. Uh, you know, the the list is is super long. And of course, you don't want to ever see a guy like Lamelo as a rookie have you know a, a really kind of a, a season ending seemingly injury like this in a freak scenario again where he fractures his wrist, and that just sucks. And and MVP wide open now. Mm-hmm. Rookie of the year wide open. Wide open. Well, now. it's down to a couple. Well, but but really wide open for Edwards and Halliburton. It was it was a lock for. I, I mean, I really do believe LaMelo had that in the bag. I mean, if he just was playing that way, that the way that he has been for the next remaining you know games of the season, it was going to be his. But now it's Ant-Man, mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Edwards, and it's Halliburton. And I don't know, you know, Wiseman, Wiseman got hurt. Like, it's just, it's insane how many injuries uh, have happened in the last few weeks. And they were playing so well, dude. Like, so well. And he was so fun to watch. I hope he, he. I hope he gets a speedy recovery. I hope in four weeks they say, "Hey, you might be able to play by the playoffs if they can, if they can maintain." I mean, they're going to need more from Graham and Rozier's going to have to be huge, and Hayward's going to have to, you know, step yeah, it up. It's Graham and uh, Devonte Graham and, and Malik Monk. Monk, yeah, those are the guys that are going to step up. Uh, hopefully for for Charlotte, um, unless of course one of them gets traded, because mm. I've heard some stuff about Devonte Graham and Malik Monk. Monk right, Malik Monk scoring, uh, having that kind of sixth man of the year you know sur- re- like this resurgence of his career mm-hmm. which is awesome there there's a good chance that somebody tries to pick one of those guys off but i, I think at this point you really need to shut that down unless you're getting a starting level player uh, in return for charlotte right because you why are you going to give up Devonte graham or malik monk you need these guys right so if you're going to give them up you would expect charlotte to have 
something coming back to them in return. The other one that I really don't get, and I know we talked about it on the last show, but like the Celtics wanting Aaron Gordon so bad, right? And Aaron Gordon voiced his frustrations last week, demanded a trade. He gave an interview where he was basically just saying like, look, I'm frustrated. I've, we're always losing. Um, you know, he doesn't like the – he's over the culture down there. He's over it. And you know what? He he deserves it. Like, he's been with the squad for a while. Seven years. Seven years. Like, he's paid his dues. And I guess since that's a trend now to tell, you know, your owners that force the trade. So, I just don't know if I would give up – I mean, Marcus Smart's the heart of that Celtic team. And I don't think the Celtics are going anywhere this season. Right. And I'm not sure if Aaron Gordon's the guy that's going to – you know, yeah, is he the difference maker? Yeah, like so. What's the, it's kind of, it's kind of like, and I don't mean to keep going back to this, but like, it's you know, Marcus Smart is the Pat Beverly of of the Celtics, right? And do you want to get rid of that locker room, that energy guy who's been a part of that franchise for a minute? Who you know, the young bucks like too for Aaron Gordon. Now, Aaron Gordon's a nice piece. I'm not saying he's a POS or anything. Like Aaron Gordon's going to give you 16 a night. You know, yeah, and he's athletic mm-hmm. and he brings something to the table that they don't really have. For the Celtics, right? They don't have, you know, the explosive wing. They have, you know, a Time Lord Robert Williams, who is a hell of a leaper. And I think with with Gordon, I mean, unless unless Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens are aligned in this and they have a specific role for him to play, uh, I don't know what he why that would be the guy that they're so interested in. Um, but I will say that he's shooting the three much better this year than he has in his entire career, and that's something that we've been talking about. If he can shoot the three at a higher clip, he's a different player and he can evolve that way. We've been hoping that it's been happening over the last few years and it just hasn't. But this year, quietly, without much notoriety, I think he's close to 40% from three. Mm -hmm. So if he can bring that level of shooting to the Celtics, great. But you, why giving up, giving up Marcus Smart for him doesn't make any sense because the, if you are trying to make some sort of push for this year, to try and make it another Eastern Conference Finals like they have in the last four seasons. They've been three out of the four. They've been in the Eastern Conference Finals. You have to keep Marcus Smart mm-hmm. and then also bring in somebody. Uh, unless, of course, you make some sort of play and just say, we're, we're done for this year. We're going to look to next year, which nobody in the Celtics organization or fan base is going to be very easy to take, um, especially because... The last few moves that they've made really haven't panned out for them. I mean, the Kemba they Walker the worst ways. The, yeah, the Kemba Walker thing looks like Charlotte won that deal, right? Terry Rozier is, is outplaying Kemba significantly, mm-hmm. I think, and especially in the last year. And then, of course, you, you see what's happening with Gordon Hayward in Charlotte, and it's like, damn, where was that? <laughs> where where was that when these guys were there? I mean, Terry showed it. That's the one thing about Terry is they he gave them the opportunity to be like. Yo, choose me. I, I can do this. Right. And they were like, nah, nah, we're good. We're going to take Kemba. And Michael Jordan is still is getting the best of the Celtics at the very least. He might not get the best of the rest of the league, but he's getting the best out of, uh, from the Celtics at this point. Uh, staying in the East, I mean, Miami was doing well. They lost four in a row. We were talking about the Raptors earlier. What did you say they're at? They've lost how many? In a Nine row? in a row. Nine in a row for the Raps. They got to make a move. I just And we've talked about it you know, at length. I just don't know you know, what you're going to bring back from Kyle that's going to make you guys a better team. Like, I, you know, if you can get Tyler Hero, okay, that's somebody to build off of. But is that the guy that's going to be the game changer? And then this week came out with Siakam and Nick Nurse getting in to a heated argument. And from what I – he got benched and he got fined 50K. And from what I heard, like, like Siakam went low blow on Nick. Uh, that's like they never be, a good, That's never a good sign. It's not a good sign uh, that he, he had to be restrained from uh, – restrained by the by, – his teammates Mm. on Nick and we've seen this coaches clash a lot. And you had mentioned to me before the show, like, you know, when you're not winning and you're in Tampa, like kind of this shit kind of happens. Uh, Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's just one of those scenarios where they've, they've lost nine in a row. There's all these question marks about players coming or going and they're living in a place that's a foreign place for them. Like they, they're not home. And they haven't been home. Like, if you think about it, realistically, they were home for, a, what, a month and a half, maybe? They got to leave Orlando mm-hmm. to go back to Toronto. And it was probably less than that because they were down and in they Tampa. they came back early. Yeah, they, they came back down, down to Tampa for the, the, for the training camp right. and stuff. So they've been out of their homes for what we're, we're approaching a year. And that has to be a whole other thing. I mean, we brought it up you know, from time to time on this podcast. But it is, it's something that can't be understated. Like, nobody else in the NBA is having to do this. And that sucks. It puts them at such a disadvantage. And, of course, 
Tempers are always going to rise. You have competitors that love to win, that want to win. That just that, won a championship. That won a championship two years ago, that make the playoffs every year, that are consistently underperforming. And, of course, tempers are going to flare. I mean, and and look, there's there's levels of disagreements and arguments and yelling and things like that that can happen that are beneficial to a team. And then there's versions of that which may be where this ended up, this kind of interaction between Siakam and Nick Nurse that could be altering where you go, okay, we actually we might need to get this guy out of here. Or get rid of Nick, and they're not going to do that. Why would you get rid that. of Nick Nurse? I agree. Yeah, and so they're, they're, there's more trade value with Siakam, though. If he's he, their biggest asset. Right. I would say outside of Van Vliet, I suppose. But I think Siakam, the market is much wider for Siakam than it is for Van Vliet, even though Van Vliet, I would argue, is probably the better player. They uh, bought into him, though. He's their future well, point yeah, guard. Well, yeah, they just resigned mm-hmm. him. Like, all that stuff is good. And I don't think they're going to move Van Vliet at mm-hmm. all. But what I'm saying is, like, if you're if you're Toronto, you you don't want to give up Siakam. And you don't want this to create a rift within the organization between your head coach and one of your top players. That's not good. But what what I am saying is that it de- really depends on, like, I would it would have been great to, to be a fly in the wall in this room mm-hmm. and actually get a – Get a sense of like really what what was happening there, because it you know frustration bubbling over. Fine, that's one thing. If you start you know really cutting in and saying some things that that really shouldn't Cut be deep. said, mm-hmm. yeah, then there's a whole another scenario. Um, and and that can that kind of interaction, as we saw with Kevin Durant and Draymond Green, those kind of even though that's not a player coach, if that kind of level of disdain is is at least being voiced now, you assume it's been going on for a while without it blowing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens in Toronto. They're in a very, very interesting spot. Uh, but I, you know, it's just, it, it has to be so tough for them. And it's, you know, nine in a row after, especially after the, the Rockets get a win. Man, they finally <laughs> the got Rockets, one. The Rockets lose 20 in a row. And Man. then you're looking down and you're like, oh shit, we're the, we're next. Yeah. We're, we've <laughs> lost nine in a row. Holy shit. Let's do a shout out to the Rockets too. Way to pull one out. Yeah. Well done. Well to pull one, way to pull one out guys. Uh, you know, obviously they're going to probably make a move with the whole Adipo thing. He's, I don't know where he's going to end up. I have no idea. I think these tough scenario for, uh, for Victor, mm-hmm. uh, and for the Rockets. I mean, he's no. going to be a free agent. Tough time for Silas. That's what it is. Yeah. Like, shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, McMillan, Nate McMillan, is the first coach to go 8 0 uh, since, like, uh, Lawrence Frank did it for the Nets, Nets way back when in, like, uh, 2004. And and then you, you look over at Silas, and it's like he's like the first coach to lose 20 games in a row. Not a good start. Uh, on his debut. And, that yeah, that just sucks for him. You know, you just did a great segue, Drew, did talking I? about Nate McMillan and yeah. the Hawks going 8-0. and oh. Uh, well, They lost. They did lose. <laughs> they did lose. And I, I'm, I, I couldn't wait to talk about this game. And I'm glad you watched it, okay? Yeah, it was a good game. It was – no, it was a shitty game until the third quarter. Um and you know what? We came, the Clippers playing the Hawks. Hawks are, you know, cocky right now. They've won eight in a row. Uh, we came out firing. We were up 10, 11 early. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be, a, this is definitely going to be the their first loss in, in nine games. And all of a sudden, we just go completely stagnant. I mean, defense was horrific. We couldn't, I mean, shots were, were getting put up. They just weren't going in. Mm-hmm. Our, our stars were not playing well at all. And I could see the frustration with Ty Lue. Zub was playing great. I, I, we're going to talk about <laughs> Zub because he's coming up right now. Yeah, he was playing. He was I, the only guy playing in that first was, half. Yeah. He, and he was killing them, right? Uh, we got to work on his hands, though. His hands are he's tough. not bad. No, if he could keep it high, dog. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's the shit where like Lou and Trez, like you know how and Paul you loves could bounce to it low. Yeah, you could bounce it and low and they'll Trez pick is it up. Ring it up. Nah, Zub ain't catching those, and they're trying. <laughs> Keep it high. Yeah, they're trying a little too hard. Like threading the needle with Zub doesn't work too well. If you can get it high, keep it, it high. To keep it high. His hands are not bad. They're not bad. Yeah, and you know, and we'll talk about. I mean, we'll talk about Zub right now. I think he's playing great. He's in the starting position right now. Um, Ibaka's out with Pat Beverly. He's getting more reps. He's his numbers are going up. I think he's he's been playing great, and I do not want this guy to get traded at all. But so we're down 15 going into halftime, right? And it was not looking good to me. I saw the frustration. Well, on you guys went down by 20 in the third. We right? were down to no, we were down 15. I think the start of the third. I think they had a stretch where they they got up by 18 or 20. Okay, it was it was yeah, more than that. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, okay, we'll tie. They're going to come out of this locker room hopefully fired up, right? They come out of the locker room first play. Uh, Paul George defensive mishap. Uh, wide open, three. wide open three by <laughs> Snell, right? An immediate timeout. I hadn't seen this all year. Yeah, right? that was a good timeout. It was a great timeout. And and Ty Lue said, "Fuck it, you know what? Coffee, man, 
Um, Kennard. Kennard, who hasn't played in a while. No. Batum and uh, and uh, who am I missing? Uh, hold on. Uh, it was Pat Pat. Pat Pat. Thank you. My guy Pat Pat. They come in and just wreak havoc, right? They took K- over. Kennard comes in and just shoots the leather off of the rock. And what's wild is our favorite announcer. Did he play in the first half? I don't even no. think he played in the first no, half. No, he hasn't yeah. played in a couple games. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they were, you know, he's been in this slump. And what's crazy is Seaman said, Seaman is our guy that is our announcer, um, the, the great Brian Siemens, right. um, had said earlier in the game, like, he's like, hey, I've been watching Kennard and he's been looking really good, confident. And we've seen these these lapses with Kennard where he comes in and he's like, oh, that's why we paid him $64 million. Like, he can get buckets. <laughs> right. But anyways, he came in, the energy was there, and these guys brought it all the way back. Like, uh, ending the third... Kennard hits a half court shot to get it to eight. And I'm like, oh, great, great half court shot. It was perfect. A Euro off one foot yeah. bucket. And that's where everything changed, right? And uh, not one starter played that whole time. I think Morris got in for a sec. Yeah. Um, I think PG was in there for a moment. But he was he only had eight points that game. Yeah. It was not working. And the fact that 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 Ty saw that, right? And immediately when we start getting buckets like that, he just let him go. Let the kids run fresh legs. Terrence Mann, dude, and I, I got to say this, and this might be a long shot. Terrence Mann, to me, f- after finally getting to see him play and get really quality minutes, he's had these spurts where I'm like, wow, he's really good. Watching him play this game gave me the same sense I had when SGA as a rookie oh. where I'm like, yo, he's going to be really good. Like, this kid's got it. His motor is there. He's confident in taking his He's in the right shots. spots a lot. Right. He's got a nose for the ball, like yeah. they like to say. And it's one of those things where it's like, I know teams, if, if we're doing any of these trades, people are asking for Team Man to be involved. Of course. And I do not want that to be touched right, right. now. I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of you know, just really positive things from him. But going in, finishing the third quarter, being down eight, and then Ty slowly bringing in Kawhi and bringing in, in, in the headhunters, dude. We finished off the game winning by nine. And I think this is the kind of game, seeing the smiles on people's face. Nobody was down on the sideline. Pat Patrick... Uh, Beverly was the first person on the, I mean, this isn't shocking. The first person on the court, <laughs> you know, to, to congratulate Kawhi was out there smiling. We don't see him smile and yell. And yeah. I thought this game, and I know it's weird. It's mid season, like against the Atlanta Hawks, but I think this is a changer for us. I think this is the confidence that T man needed to see. And that Luke definitely needed to see. And the fact that like always ready, Pat, Pat, right. A, a, a serviceable six foot 10 guy that could come in and shoot three. Got a nice tip dunk in there. He got one. And that, that's also, a, you know, that's an energy booster. Yeah. So what did you, what did you take away from that game? You know, the, since you watched it? Yeah. I think all your points about the Clippers are good. Uh, to me, just good drew. No, no, solid. Okay. Uh, what a very good. I'll take it. excellent. Mm. The, the, the takeaway for me is that Atlanta is not as good as that eight. No spurt made it seem. And they sure when, got cocky on the sidelines too, bro. Sorry. When you're, when you're, when you're eight and zero, when you have this, you know, this great run, and there's a lot of publicity about the fact that they're eight and zero, they only really beat two good teams in that run. When you look at when you look at their record, like the the eight games that they played, and one of them was against the Lake, or you know, against the Lakers, where LeBron rolled his ankle. Down, right. Yeah, in the first whatever first quarter ish, first first or second quarter, I think it was the end of the first quarter. And so you know, as good as they were on that run. It's clear to see that they're not a finished product. It's clear to see why they fired their coach. They still have to figure out what's happening. I mean, they, they finally have, I think for the first time, their whole roster is healthy. Maybe I think Cam Reddish is still out. Mm-hmm. But DeAndre Hunter, Hunter's back, and he came off the bench with with uh, Bogdanovich and Danilo, and that's a hell of a unit to bring off the, off the bench. We've been saying that the whole year. On yeah. paper, they're nice. No, and I think when Hunter actually fully comes back, because he's on minutes restrictions right now, and he reenters the lineup... Uh, the glaring one for me in that game was was Herder was lost. Herder was lost the whole game, and it's like, yo, dude, like he started. Where, yeah, where is that guy's confidence? Right, just I mean, the fact that we, I mean, you, like I said, you touched everything on the Clippers. I don't need to reiterate any of that except for the fact that Kennard was awesome, and that's why you did trade for him mm-hmm. because you know for a while it was like, well, shit, maybe we should have kept Shamit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but you know, when when Luke is able to get into that sort of a rhythm and he's feeling comfortable out there, it, it, it adds the dimension that you want. To where it's not in the second unit, especially where it's not just Lou Will having to shoot the ball every time. Um, and so, anyway, I think for Atlanta, uh, that run was huge for them. I mean, it vaulted them into the top four seeds, four or five seed in the in the East. They're fourth right now. But there's also like one game separating five teams from the four to the like eight seed to Boston. Yeah, at the eight. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's, so it's real tight there. So mm-hmm. while it was like, wow, look at these Hawks, it's like, well. 
you know, let's let's slow down a little bit. They, they Pump beat, the brakes. Yeah. yeah, they beat some some decent teams, mm-hmm. and they obviously eight and zero is great. And any team in the NBA would be wanting that. Uh, it was the I think the highest winning streak. Now it's it's the the Bucks. I think have won seven or eight in a row now. So huge comeback by the second unit, and I think you I think you may be right about like this being kind of a launching launching pad for the Clippers to hit some stride. It will be interesting to see based on you know some really good performances from guys like Terrence Mann. If you do want to end up turning that into another asset, like a Kyle Lowry or like mm. you know one of these other guys that we're talking about, mm. we'll, we'll see what you know where the front office is. Obviously by tomorrow, um, but I do think that if you do keep this team, that can be huge for the second unit. And if you can if you can get Luke coming off the bench and providing you know twelve to fifteen points a game regularly, as well as Terrence Mann doing whatever the hell he I mean he was everywhere he was all over the court uh, that that game. Uh, that is that's the depth of of the Clippers that makes them very scary, and but it's 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 also like that hot and cold thing, right? Because when they're when those guys are not doing that, then it's like, whoa, we we need to make a change. So it would be nice to have some more consistency and to see this happening more regularly for those second unit guys. I think it's Kennard, Luke, and, and Lou kind of play that same that same position, and I think it's one night it's going to be Lou, the next night it's going to be Luke, and. I just want to see. So we got a back-to-back starting tonight against San Antonio. I want to see what kind of how we come out because I, like I, this might not age well for us, Drew. But with me saying that this is one of those games that's going to be like a launching pad for us, and <laughs> sure. we lose tonight, like yeah. it's going to be it's going to be awkward. Yeah. But I, I I just truly think that this is the game that's going to turn some confidence around for a lot of these guys, and just being able to have these guys like Pat and and Coffee, who's also very good. I mean, the guy killed in the G League, um, and. And they were ready, though, like ready to play. They came in and looked great. So um, we'll see how it turns out tonight. I'm just really stoked on that game. I want Luke to come out and be that guy, um, you know, that we want on the bench for us. Well, you brought up the Spurs, which is your next um, – that's your next matchup here for the for the next two games. And I recently – well, it was brought to my attention that uh, Greg Popovich and I have the same haircut. Oh. And I, I try to keep it a little nicer, but when my, when my man bun – is down mm-hmm. and i have a mask on i haven't seen that i look exactly like greg popovich oh we might have to this this might be perfect for our boy juice it's not great because <laughs> you know when i made that realization i was like oh no i might have to i might have to switch some things up might have to change up the look oh. uh but you know what, what that is doing is it's, it's almost it's definitely forcing me to keep the uh keep the hair up because i looked in the mirror after i saw uh popovich on the sidelines and mm-hmm. i was like that's too that's very similar that's drew, too similar drew just let me do a side by side please yeah, at yeah, some yeah. point we can make a that good happen. picture for me i mean the bun looks good the bun yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. and I keep it. I keep the sides tighter, yeah. tighter than Greg does. <laughs> you definitely. But do. Greg's, he's got some nice flowing locks, the gray flowing locks in the back. And when my hair is down, I was like, oh no. You should ask him what kind of product he uses. Well, yeah, I'm sure it's nice. I'm <laughs> sure it's nice. Probably French because he's got all those connections. Uh, all right, I got to bring up two things that we posted on our. I like to, you know, incorporate what we post on social media into the shows because I don't like answering people's questions on our posts. Uh, on Instagram. I'd rather them listen to the show and we answer them here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there has been a couple erroneous comments um, the past couple days. One of them being Draymond Green, <laughs> which, and then the other one with Magic Johnson saying yesterday that Lonzo Ball has the highest IQ in the NBA. And I just don't understand that. Can Magic just, just stop? Chill. Go away for a while. Just bro. go be the Dodgers just, owner. Just go, just go away. We don't need you anymore, dude. Why are you talking about Lonzo Ball? Did you get rid of him? Yes. You got rid of him and he has the highest IQ. Why well, don't I mean, you keep him? That happened before. I mean, Magic, you know, he resigned before all that went down. But yeah, I'm done with Magic. So chill. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about these Draymond comments. And, you know, we made a post on it yesterday. Draymond saying he's the the best defensive player ever, right? And a lot of people kind of got heated about it, saying, "Well, what else is he supposed to say?" And I'm said, "Well, I get it, being confident." Yeah, he was on a it's, Warriors Talk podcast uh, that that when he made that quote. Mm-hmm. So it's like Draymond's always going to say that. I get it. Yeah, but say that you're one of the greatest player defensive players to play. Like you should know he's a very smart guy. Like know the history, bro. You are nowhere near Dennis Rodman or Dwight Howard or Akeem or uh, I, I put Bill Russell in there. And, uh, yeah, Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Yeah. I mean, come on. They they said there was there was. I mean, they, they weren't even recording blocks, and he was getting 10, 15 a game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So I'm fine. Like I'm fine if he said I'm one of the best defensive players to play in that in that situation on that team. Yeah, it works out perfectly. I think if you put Akeem or or Dennis Rodman, we've seen it, or Dwight Howard, he, their their defensive 
they're a defensive juggernaut on every single team that they play on. Mm-hmm. Now, it's kind of I kind of how do I put this? You know how people got so upset with LeBron when he's like, "Yeah, I'm the greatest player of all time." There's actually a debate for that, though, right? <laughs> sure. There is. There's a valid debate for I LeBron saying yeah. that, right, right? Of course, of course. It's not like there's 30 guys that are in the debate for it. Well, <laughs> to, to some people, there might be. Sure. But when you can name off off the top of your head like 15 guys that are probably Ben Wallace, questionable, yeah, that questionably are better than Draymond, right? Yeah. So, what, what's your take on it? Yeah, I, it, it, I do. I tend to, to land on the side of I don't expect him to say anything different. Draymond has always bet on himself. Um, you know, coming out of Michigan State, nobody thought he was going to be this good. Nobody did. Right. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't care who the hell drafted him. Jerry West, uh, you know, Mark Jackson, none of those guys thought he was going to be the level of player that he's become. And even still, you know, he's not <laughs> he's not the like the all star that he you know that he once was. Right. Like he. While he is still good defensively, he's not the 2015-2016 defensive player of the year kind of Draymond Green that we have seen in the past. So, look, I think you can take that one season, for instance, of Draymond's defense, right, where he was guarding everybody. Mm-hmm. He's guarding the, the centers. He's guarding the wings, uh, you know, and I, I would put that one season up against a lot of the best seasons that we've seen defensively, and there might be an argument for that. But no, dude, you're not the best defensive player that's ever played Dort the game. Would you take Lou Dort over Draymond right now? <laughs> well, Lou Dort is significantly younger. I'm just saying. I, and uh, but you know, Scottie Pippen. Right. Uh, the the list is long. You are, we already rattled off quite a few. But I, you know, when I think of the best defensive player ever, uh, Draymond Green's name is not the first one that pops. No, in he's my not head. the first twenty. <laughs> well, I would say I I would say he's probably in the top twenty. Uh, because of his versatility, because of the fact that he was able to guard centers and also able to guard wings, and and, and okay, maybe and all that. maybe top twenty. Yeah, and I think that's fair. But if he would have said, "I'm the best, I'm the greatest player, defensive player in Warriors history," okay, we could. I we there, there's there's probably a couple. There probably is. Yeah, there's probably a couple. But that, just to that say might, ever like, I, th- I think it's just a lot. So he got a lot of heat on that, <laughs> yeah. and even like Tony Allen came out and, and yeah, and then Draymond well, threw shade at him, and it was good. Tony Allen is uh, yeah, that was that was awesome. I, I I will say that Draymond's uh, clapback was that he may be up there Mm -hmm. as one of the greatest clapback guys that I've ever seen. When people go at him sideways, he comes right back at him and and it's very entertaining. So I, for that, for that, I I will give him some elite status. He thanked Tony Allen for winning a championship, turning Tony Allen on Tony (laughs) Allen. And there wasn't a response from Tony Allen. after. I don't think Tony can say anything else. I mean, Draymond, uh, while he doesn't score, he certainly has averaged more points than Tony Allen. I'm (laughs) I'm surprised Pippen hasn't come out and said something. Normally he's that guy. Right. Yeah. I don't think, I think Pippen knows that everyone else is, is saying his name I mean, and and Durant got sensitive again this week, where he took he took a a podcast quote by and Steve Kerr, by the way, nipped that in the bud quick in a press conference. So he was on a podcast saying that you know last year's team was probably his favorite team coat or is the fun what do you say is the most fun? so I listened to the podcast. Uh-huh. It was it's the real ones on the Ringer with Raja Bell and um, one of the one of the Bay Area beat reporters. I, his name is escaping me, but they they do a good job mm-hmm. there. Uh, and they got Steve Kerr on, and uh, I think Steve was—he seemed very laid back and comfortable. And I and I when I when I listened to it, I was like, "That's a hell of a statement." Essentially, what he said was, "Last year's team was more fun for him to coach than the team that had Kevin Durant on it for that last season." So, like going back two years, if you compare the 2019 mm-hmm. Warriors season versus this last year, which is the worst season that Warriors have had in I don't know 12 years or so, he said that team was more fun to coach. Uh, and then what happened was one of the reporters, you know, it's, it's an exciting quote. It's like when you hear that, you're, one of the reporters goes, hey, let me tweet that out. That's but a he pretty, t- but he, 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 he misconstrued t- it. He took it a little bit out of context, mm-hmm. on, out of context and, and he prefaced it with Kevin Durant's last year. Mm-hmm. And, and to be quite honest, I mean, I hit up Crompton about this, mm-hmm. see what his thoughts were. And uh, the, way that, that, the way that I thought about it was like, what is Steve Kerr supposed to say in that moment? The team that was last year's team is virtually all back this year. He's in the middle of a season where they're trying to fight for a playoff spot. He's he's a motivational guy, and he has to be looking around at that the guys that have been there for the last two years struggling, unlike uh, you know any season that he's had to deal with as a head coach, mm-hmm. and and looking forward. You what are you what is he going to do? Like yeah, this team sucks. This is a bunch of garbage ass players out here. Like I can't stand coaching this team. Now the other side of that. Like if if you went and asked 
uh, all of the head coaches that are great that that have won championships and have been in consecutive finals or you know repetitively re- repetitively in the finals like Phil Jackson or Popovich or Pat Riley, you know the, what you know these great head coaches. As you continue to win and be on that mountaintop, it's always going to be harder every year, every year. And trying to you know get everyone up and organized and and fired up to go out and play again, especially in a season where Durant did not help them with all of the rumors about him leaving. Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine that being fun. Like why, and why would he say, yeah, that was a great, a lot of fun. We lost two of our greatest players, one left for good and one is injured again. Uh, you know, I just, I, I, I'm not going to fault Steve Kerr for saying that. I don't know. I don't, I don't fault Steve Kerr. I fault Kevin Durant with taking, taking this guy's quote and saying that's hilarious and clapping it at Steve Kerr. Yeah. And that's the one thing that, that Crompton brought up was, like how petty right. Kevin Durant Just is. let it go. You won two championships. Right. You probably would have won a third if you didn't tear your ACL or, or uh, Achilles or Clay didn't tear his ACL. I mean, there was a really good chance mm-hmm. that game that Clay went down that they were going to you know win that game and then go force a game seven and see what happens mm-hmm. there. It, it just blows me away. It blows me away that Kevin Durant continues to search his his name in Twitter and has to has to say something. It just, I mean, but that's just what he is. So, I mean, I'm not surprised right. that Kevin Durant had a clap back or whatever, decided to say that's hilarious. Um, and and that's probably some insight into like for Kevin, he goes, that's that's why I left. Like mm. that just reaffirms his decision. He goes, like that's exactly why I'm out of there. Mm. Nothing shocking here. Kevin Durant can't play, <laughs> right. and he's not playing. And even when he is playing, he's on Twitter. So this is this is you know, it's a story being made up of essentially nothing. It was just a casual comment. And Steve Kerr's interview is great. I would encourage anybody to listen to it. It was a lot of fun, mm-hmm. um, especially because Steve Kerr traded Rajah Bell while he was the GM of the Suns, and so that's part of the part of the reason that they had him on is because Rajah was like, "Yo, why'd you trade?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It happened right in the beginning, and so anyway, it, you know, the reporter that that misquoted or you know, removed the context. All right, that's probably not the best. Steve Kerr's comment probably also not the best, and then Kevin Durant's reaction. Definitely not the best. Clearly not the best. So that's just, just, it's just a story because nothing is happening in trade deadline right now. I swear to God, if we had two trades happen, nobody would care about that. Nobody even notices Mm. that that comment was made, other than probably the Bay Area fans. All right. Another thing that we posted, and I I lost sleep over this last night, Drew. I did because I didn't know if I want to bring this up on the pod. I know this is a sensitive subject for a lot of people. And I had to ask Drew's opinion if we should even talk about this. And I had to call a couple of my NBA guys too. I'm like, yo, do I have a valid claim for this? So there was a there was a tweet yesterday that said, is it safe to say that Kyrie Irving is better than Allen Iverson? And nobody just nobody wants to admit it, right? Mm-hmm. And I posted it on our page. And it didn't get a lot of likes, but it got a lot of comments because a lot of people jumped. I think there was something like 50 comments on it. And I didn't say anything because I'd want people to either listen to the show and I like to just see other people's opinions on it. And I thought about it all day, Drew. And the reason why I thought about it is because there's there's a there's a very good point to that. Where do you lie on that? I lie on this is how let's put into context the question, right? Who is a better player, Kyrie Irving or Allen Iverson? And Kyrie checks every box to me. Okay, is he a better ball handler? Yeah. Is he is he is he is he a better basketball player? I think yeah. I do think he is. Um, is he better at the rim? Yeah. He's yeah. He's he's that good. Um, he is an elite finisher at the rim. Right. I have to say that. Okay, but let me let me make my point for sure. It. So the question is, who is a better player, right? So I think I'm okay with saying that if we're going to have this argument, I l- love Allen Iverson, okay? I love Allen Iverson as much as everybody listening to this show. Now, would I want Kyrie Irving to – would I want to go to battle, be in the trenches with Kyrie Irving? I'd rather have Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson shows up every single night, played his ass off every single night. Leadership qualities, hell yeah. I'm taking AI. Um, you know, the the cultural meaning he had to basketball means a lot to me. But if we're – and we do this all the time. Like when we did our point guard thing, like let's put into context what the question is. And I think if you, if you take prime AI and prime – Kyrie, which what we're kind of like seeing right now, I think I think Kyrie has an edge. I, yeah, I you know it is a, it's a very interesting comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they're different players. I think I think wholeheartedly. I think that's why it ruffles feathers on both sides because they are very different. While they played the same position, they may be roughly around the same size. Allen Iverson was always the number one, 
and he never wanted to be a number two. Mm-hmm. Kyrie thrives as a number two, and he tried to be a number one, and it did not work, mm-hmm. and he is not a leader. That's not the question, though. No, no, no. I'm just trying to okay. frame where I come okay. from this, mm-hmm. and it's and it's difficult. So I think Allen Iverson's a better defensive player, and I think his toughness level is significantly higher than Kyrie's. Good point. Uh, and I also think from a scoring point of view, Kyrie's never averaged 30 points a game. Right. Allen Iverson did. Now he took a shit ton of shots mm-hmm. and was the num- like out and out number one option during those <laughs> those years right. and never really had a second fiddle. It would have been awesome. I mean, that's the one, you know, the one thing about AI that I think a lot of people think about is like, man, what if he had just somebody else? Like another They tried, but it just none of it worked. And they ne- and they were never really able to land the guy that would fit with him because I think he was he, you know, he was one of those guys that was like, I'm not going to like I'm the number one. There is no one A, one B. Mm-hmm. I'm number one and whoever else is is going to be on this team is going to be a two or a three Eric Snow. as far as options go right <laughs> yeah Eric Snow for sure Larry Hughes to to me it comes down to this I think Allen Iverson in today's game could very easily replicate what Kyrie is doing I think it would have been more difficult for Kyrie to play in the early 2000s and I think he would have struggled to do the same thing that he's doing now then and I think just just free throws alone Allen Iverson's points per game would leapfrog from 30 to 35. Right. Uh, and I think if that's the disparity, or the, you know, discrepancy between the points per game is like 10 points per game, that to me would make this argument like null and void, and I would go with Allen Iverson. I, my heart still goes, no, I think Allen Iverson's better. But when I watch Kyrie play, he does shit all the time that I'm like, holy fuck shit right. like what how did he make that move the same way i did it watching Allen iverson so i think i think the evolution of the game is what we're talking about really with this question and i think without Allen iverson there is no Kyrie. like we do this all the time mm-hmm. right like without elgin baylor there's no dr j mm-hmm. there's no michael jordan good point like it, i think that's that's really how the, the question is answered is it goes well it's hard to do that comparison who's better who's not they never got to play against each other they never got to play in the same era i think this is just the next iteration of what Allen Iverson would be. So that's that's the way I end. I, like you, if I'm picking a guy to ride with, to mm-hmm. be on my squad, AI. it's 100 out of 100, Allen Iverson over Kyrie. And I'm down for And again, I like to bring these up too. There, I like to bring it up to piss people off because this is a really, I thought it was a really great, great question and it got me thinking about it all day. You know, and the other comparison I want to say is like, Allen Iverson was respected by all of his peers in the NBA you know, worldwide respected. Kobe loved this guy. T-Mac loved this guy. Like everybody loved and respected Allen Iverson, Michael Jordan. And I kind of feel the same way, like to his peers, Kyrie's like the one. Like if if you ask anybody in the NBA, like, yo, who's got the best handle? Who's who's the coldest dude to watch right now? They'll probably say Kyrie Irving. And he's he's respected like that. So I just thought the comparison was so close. We can get into the the dynamics of you know points per game and all that shit. And that obviously that plays a big part in this. But I think Kyrie was a better offensive player. I think I think currently right now he can do more with the ball than Allen Iverson could. Mm. But I I do think. You know, significantly, Allen Iverson's a better defender. So I'm that's wi- that's where I that's where I land, and I'm with that, and I'm with anybody that says, you know, Allen Iverson or has a has a play for Kyrie. I just thought it'd be a really good topic to talk about. It goes back into like, you know, LeBron and MJ. Like, if you can make a good point, there are good points you can make for both of them right. instead of just shutting it down and being like, well, you know, Allen Iverson like Kobe and like Michael. There's something about AI that we just grew up loving and the cultural iconness of him, like it sticks with us and it resonates and it means a lot. So a lot of people just stick with that instead of kind of just having an open discussion like we're having right now. So I thought that'd be fun to, to bring up. There's probably people saying, oh, fucking clips. You don't know shit. <laughs> and that's fine. And that's fine. But yeah, that's fine. Hopefully we made some decent points because it is a topic that a lot of people could talk about. Yeah, definitely. All right. We're going to finish the show with. A new segment that's only that only comes out once a year, and it's called the Drew's March Madness Breakdown. Yeah, he's heavily involved in March Madness, and I know a lot of you are. Yeah, I'm gonna let him take the stage on this. I'm turning off the mic, Drew. Go ahead. <laughs> well, it, with with the Lakers uh, being so tough to watch right now, it was a really nice break for me to sit back and watch these college games unfold. And the tournament, we, we didn't have it last year. The first time in my life, I think first time in my dad's life, uh, that there wasn't March Madness. And I, you know, I desperately missed it last year. I'm so thankful that it's happening this year. 
and it's been a hell of a tournament. And I definitely like I got completely involved and engaged. I barely watched any NBA uh, games over the over the four days that they were running the first and second round. So many upsets. Everything was awesome. Um, I I placed a bet on Illinois to win. Just a little flyer, uh, and they they were bouncing the second round they by were. Loyola. Uh, I placed a bet on Winthrop to beat Villanova, struck out on that one, but I won my bet uh, for UCLA to beat BYU, and I got a couple more wagers coming in this next round. So I'm fully involved and engaged in March Madness, and it's fucking awesome to have it back. So the first thing that I wanted to bring up in this regard is when I'm watching the tournament and there's all of this uh, alternative routes for high school players to skip college and go, you know, do the overseas thing, go do the the G League thing, go do the prep school thing, uh, and not go to college. But when I watch March Madness, I'm thinking to myself, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Like, what high school player watches that and goes, nah, I think I'm good. Like, I don't want to watch. I don't want to be involved in that. I'd rather go to the G League. People that want money. And so, but here's the, here's the funny part. Like, the G League bubble happened, and I don't know how many people on the planet watched any of that i watched a couple because i'm i'm interested in, in the ignite team so i was watching a couple of their games and it was fine uh but the the level of play and the level of intensity of course is nowhere near where what we get with march madness with these college teams um and so i'm thinking you know if i'm a high school player that's a number one pick and i or you know that that has the option i'm, I'm that good I'm, I'm that good where colleges want me and i have this option to go to the g league or go play in australia or something like that i would always lean towards the, that experience because you it's never going to be recreated you're never ever ever going to get a chance to be in march madness after you make that decision to go pro and so i to me, when you're looking at guys like Cade Cunningham, mm-hmm. who's going to probably be the number one overall pick, he got to have his experience, and unfortunately, he got bounced out. But he can say that that was something that I was a part of, and it was awesome. And then Evan Mobley, who's probably number two, him and his brother, the Mobley brothers, crushing it for USC, absolutely obliterated Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, those guys are going to always have that experience. And, and probably, definitely Evan's gone, but probably both of them are going to be gone to the NBA next year. So it... it I just had that moment where I was like, man, this is so exciting. Like, why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? And of course, money, of course, is, is the biggest deciding factor. If you're, if you, if you're in a situation where you think a hundred thousand dollars is, you know, what you want and that's exactly what you want, um, then fine, of course, go play, you know, wherever, wherever they're going to pay you that. And <laughs> some people might say college can still offer you that <laughs> as we've seen, to some people. as we've seen in the past, uh, Deandre Aiden. Um, <laughs> so I think, um, that was the number one thing that I that that came across my my mind. What about is, my guy Landfill? Remember Landfill from Beer Fest? <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about the guy from uh, Beer Fest and from um, Super Troopers. Super Troopers. Uh-huh. Farva. Uh-huh. Farva. I don't. I don't know the guy's. I don't know his actual name. You but, don't know the Hooper's name? Oh no, no, uh, Kurtwig. There, there we or go. Kr- Krutwig. That's my guy for Loyola. Number two pick. He right? was a freshman mm-hmm. the year that they made it to the Final Four with that crazy run, and I think they were an 11 seed. They're an eight seed this year. They just bounced out Illinois, which is a big, you know, Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Champaign rivalry, in-state rivalry for Illinois. That guy's the perfect example of this is it for him. Right. Like, this, this is it. This is my moment. He's, he's never going to touch an NBA floor. It'd be nice. Uh, no, he's just not. He won't. You he's going to have a great career in Spain. <laughs> he's going to have a 17-year career in Spain. <laughs> but he's never going to be on the NBA floor for more than a, a few minutes and a, and a handshake. But that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. Right. Like, I love being able to sit down and watch this guy who's been there for four years, who's currently losing his hair, mm-hmm. uh, and does not look anything like an athlete. He looks 40. Yeah. I, he looks like the, my tile guy that came. He looks like if tile. I went out on the court right now. Like, we <laughs> look the same. I don't know how he has a belly. Andrew, stop. He has a, he has a beer belly. <laughs> And, and it's insane, but he is so good. He's he, his uh, footwork. He's I mean, there was there's a seven footer on Illinois. He's probably also going to be in the NBA next next year. Coburn is what they say. It's, his name's spelled Cockburn, nice. but they just they just they forget the the CK there in the, the, the middle. K is silent. Yeah, yeah. They just go with Coburn uh, for whatever reason. And that guy is a legit seven footer. Looks every bit of Ben Wallace Wait, they and the CK Dwight to Howard. A B? It, so his name is spelled mm-hmm. Cockburn, C-O-C-K-B-U-R-N. That's your name then. Nobody says Cockburn. 
Everyone just calls him Coburn. It's the funniest thing. It's the funniest thing I've ever. I mean, I get why he would be like, no, it's actually pronounced Coburn. Like we're not. not, (laughs) It's always like the guys that that uh, whose last name is Weiner. It's the same Viner. Yeah, it's Viner. Call me Weiner. Just call me call me Weiner. It's actually pronounced Weiner, not Weiner. Please. Um, Anyway, he destroyed this guy, and and that guy's like I said, going to be a bona fide NBA player. Is probably going to play in the league for ten years, Mm -hmm. and that guy got worked by Farva. So um, I love that. And, and so the, the next thing that I had to bring up is when I watch March Madness and I watch you know any college basketball game, it reinvigorates my appreciation for NBA officials. Man, we complain a lot about NBA refs, but they are definitely the cream of the crop because watching March Madness, mm-hmm. and I think anyone that's watched it will agree, some of those refs are god-awful making terrible calls constantly. There was a ref who called an out-of-bounds on the sideline on an offensive rebound. I can't remember the game. I watched fucking 70 games. But one of the games, the guy caught an offensive rebound and was about to go back up, and the ref called him out-of-bounds. His foot was inbounds by six inches. Like, where are you watching? And it's like, dude, wait, do you need the glasses? Mm-hmm. Like, get the. do you have the prescription uh, visor? Like, you know, some of these refs are wearing the masks and the, the, and the visor out there, and I don't, I don't blame them for that. But it's like... It, it does make me think about how much better NBA officials are and how much more difficult the NBA game is to ref. It's so hard. It's such a hard job. We don't, and again, if you're new to the show, an NBA ref is a very good friend of Drew and I, and I know how hard that job is. And I think at the college level, you, that means you're coming from the high school level. Like you're not the cream of Most the crop. Most of the college guys stay mm. in college for their entire career, mm. and they never bump up to whatever next level pro because if you're that good, the NBA is constantly looking for very good refs mm-hmm. and they're gonna go hey come ref the G League get out of the get out of the Big Ten mm-hmm. and come ref the G League and then we're gonna get you going into the into the uh, the actual NBA but it does make me really appreciate NBA refs and and how tough it is for NBA refs and how bad the college refs are <laughs> that was just a random piece and then the last piece I have I, I talked I talked a little bit about Cade and and Evan Mobley and these guys that are you know prospects that are going to be high picks in this next draft uh, but I did have my eye on a couple players that I saw that I think may not be in the lottery. They may not even be drafted. But players right now that I think are ready for the NBA, and that might be a little surprising, and players I'm going to keep my eye on as their career develops. The first one that's, that leaped off the screen to me was this freshman, Jalen Williams, out of Arkansas. 6'10", 18 years old, vision and passing for days. They run him at the top of the key and just back cut, and he's finding guys left and right he's a big body he's, he's not afraid to jump and get rebounds he's not afraid to bang down low he i think i would i would be shocked if he doesn't go in the first round uh, unless there's something about him that i do not know uh but that guy keep your eye on him jalen williams out of arkansas he's in the next round i believe and, and we'll have another game on saturday uh another guy uh that i that i i don't know about but i really enjoy watching Oklahoma has a player called Austin Reeves, and he reminds me a lot of Luke Kennard and a little bit of Hayward. The The reason that I'm, I'm taking it, he's white. He's definitely white. <laughs> you, you, you guessed correctly. His name is Austin Reeves. Uh, he's definitely white, but he, he uh, pretty much handles the ball like the entire time for Oklahoma, and the way that he plays is essentially how that team goes. They ended up losing uh, to Gonzaga. But the way that he plays, man, and the level of, of shot making that he brings, it's not just your standard white guy, I'm going to shoot it like Doug McDermott or you know Kyle Korver. He is attacking the rim. He's hitting floaters. He's drawing double teams and kicking. He can hit a three for sure. It's very Luke Kennard-ish. It is. So, and, mm-hmm. and, and the reason that I said Hayward or Kennard, he doesn't have the athleticism that Hayward had. Mm-hmm. Right? Hayward's like, I can, I'm going to dunk on you mm-hmm. back before his ankle injury. And he doesn't have that. But he has this level of, of confidence that Hayward had at a very early age in Butler. I think Austin Reeves is going to be one of those guys like Luke uh, Kennard, at the very least, that can be a crafty scorer. He's only 6'5", but it's, it's very Luke Kennardish, uh, and I like that guy's game. Uh, he did play against Corey Kispert. That's a guy that's probably going to be drafted in the first round. He's exactly Doug McDermott. Uh, so watch out for Kispert. If you're a team that's in the lower half of the draft and you need shooting, Lakers, um, then maybe maybe look at at Corey. What about Kispert. the Oral Roberts kid? 
Uh, so Oral Roberts has a couple kids that are really exciting, but undersized. Right, they're they're just small. those guys, unfortunately, mm-hmm. unless they change their games. Like their point guard is not; he's just tiny. Uh, so maybe there's a chance for him. But didn't he lead the nation in scoring though? Uh, yeah, the at, the two guys on Oral Roberts led the ne- led the nation as a as a tandem as a in tandem. scoring. Okay, they're the number number one uh, duo in mm-hmm. scoring, and I have a bet on them. Uh, for this next round, I have a I have a little wager placed on them to advance. Nice uh, to the elite eight. Drew's gambling's corner. Yeah, exactly. I, my my boy lives in Michigan, so I'm just like, oh, is that, hit him up. Is that Max? Yeah, yeah, oh. exactly. It's our boy Max from Michigan, okay. who's like, I, you know, it's legal to bet there. So right. I'm just like, yo, let's slide this in. And he's definitely in the scene. Yeah, without he's, without a doubt, he's he, in that. Scene. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> uh, last guy that I want to talk about. This list is is short, but it's it's the random guys that I haven't heard of before that are playing their asses off that are making a names for the na- making a name for themselves. Uh, Ethan Thompson out of Oregon State point guard 6'5 that guy can play in the NBA right now he is solid he's he's uh, built very well he he moves the ball well good passer good shooter Ethan Thompson uh, another guy to to pay attention to if you're watching uh, the game uh, this coming I think the Oregon State plays against our, our boy Farva and uh, and Loyola Chicago um, uh, I believe on Saturday and uh, that guy, I, I, he's a he's an NBA point guard. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's somewhere in the league, unless, of course, uh, this is only a small sample size. But I watch him play, and you go, that guy, that guy can play in the NBA right now. So my list: Jalen Williams for Arkansas, Austin Reeves for Oklahoma, Corey Kispert for Gonzaga, Ethan Thompson for Oregon State. All of those guys, in my opinion, are NBA level, and we should probably see them play in the in the league next year. Write those names down. Those are Drew's picks, and he's sticking to it. Uh, I do have a couple other things. Oh, Clipper game. It's five thirty-three, but oh no, 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 we're done. I, it's very, very quick. Okay. Steph Curry is the all-time assist leader in, in Warriors history. Okay. Past that, a couple milestones. Good for you. Chris Paul, ten thousand. Oh assists. yeah! Shout out to CP. Ten thousand assists club. Number six now, right? The sixth ever to do and that. And he's about to catch Magic maybe by the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't look like he's going to retire anytime nope. soon, so he's going to keep climbing that list. Way to go, CP. And then our boy. Joe Ingles, Chris Kringle. Chris Kringle, Joe Ingles. All-time Utah Jazz three-point leader. That's crazy. Think about that. The guy would barely snuck into the NBA. Made three-pointers? Made. Three-pointers made. Joe Ingles, all-time leader You'd for the think, Utah like, Jazz. Hornacek was there. He didn't but play he there a long yeah, time. Yeah, wasn't, wasn't there very long. Mehmet Okur. Mehmet. That guy was just railing threes. He- <laughs> uh, but, you know, you think about who's been their best three-point shooter. It's been him. And his percentages are always right around 40% every Joe year. Joe Ingles. So, shout-out to Joe Ingles. Yeah. That's, hey, those are my last couple things. That's a great drop, Drew. I appreciate that. I forgot about CP's 10,000. 10, that's a lot. Uh, we're going to wrap it up because the Clippers are on their back-to-back the game has started. Uh, check us out on basketballnews.com. Again, we got a bunch of cool content over there. We're putting out stuff every single day. Follow the podcasts that are on there. Check us out on clubhousebasketballnews.com. Uh, we're going to take them out. So if you didn't notice last week, our boy Beats by JT, he made us a song with our voices in the beat, and it's hot. So turn it up. Yeah, that was dope. And bang it. And RIP to Elgin Baylor. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew, and we're ghosts. You know what it is, you know what it is, you know where you're at. This is the follow through with Clips and Drew. What up, podcast world? What up, what up, podcast world? You know what it is, you know where you're at. This is the